Welcome to Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach, Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book, Going, Going, Gone, about kids departing the faith they were raised in. Learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. Welcome to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family and the author of the Influential Parenting Program that helps parents target the heart by going after the root of the issue rather than whacking away on the surface. I'm also the author of Going, Going, Gone, a great book that looks into why kids are leaving the faith. On today's program, we're continuing in this series, Why Influence Works. We've seen it over and over again in our kids' lives, and more importantly, in the lives of thousands of families who have come to our events, gotten our DVDs, or taken our online class. Influence really does work, but it's hard to believe it as parents, and one of the things we're worried about when it comes to using influence as opposed to boundaries and consequences or authority, position, and power is character. How do we develop character in our kids? And what I've seen within my kids and in so many others that I've coached where influence becomes the way of the household is that the kids begin making better decisions and developing character of their own, which is what we all want as parents, our kids to have character that will cause them to make good decisions when they're on their own, when they're away from us off at middle school or high school or when they go off to college. Do they have that character that will guide them? And this is where I've seen influence have an incredible impact on kids' lives whether it's kids that were heading down the wrong road and all of a sudden made an about face and started to care about their lives, about where they were headed, about how people viewed them, about their character. They began to care about it. In fact, I'll never forget a conversation with a parent at one of our parenting events at a local church and this parent came up and was asking a ton of questions about influence because they had a lot of doubts, a lot of reservations. In fact, this was a father, and you could tell the mother had way more reservations than the father did. What was interesting was two weeks after the event, got a call from that father, and he said, oh my goodness, you're right. We've discovered our daughter is leading a dual life. We didn't believe the percentages, but from talking to her now, we totally believe that 70, 80, 90% of kids are leading a dual life. Now, what do I do? After a couple of short coaching phone calls, he went at it, but his wife wasn't on the same page with him. And so I instructed him to just go forwards in his light, not criticize her, not get down on her, not get tell her she was parenting the wrong way but just let her watch and observe. And what was fascinating was six months later, I was headed back to the same city up in the Northwest, and I was invited to their house for dinner. And when I showed up at that house, it was fascinating what unfurled that evening. The mom came up to me and pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, your conference made me really mad, and it made our marriage worse. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, well, you know, kind of confused, what am I doing here? And the mom said, no, 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 don't apologize. You were right, our daughter was leading a dual life, 
Bob handled everything the way you taught him to handle it in the event and with some of the coaching calls. And our daughter turned around and I was forced to realize that I'm a bigger part of the problem in the family than I wanted to admit. And I'm seeing a counselor now and everything's getting better. Shortly after that, Bob came to me, pulled me aside and said, hey, I don't know what Mary's going to say to you, but you know, initially she was really upset with your content and our marriage got a lot worse. And I said, time out. She already came to me and told me all of this. I was so excited because she had been such a closed and private person before. And now all of a sudden as she was healing, she felt the ability to open up and be honest with who she was and where she was at and seeing a counselor. And it's so encouraged him. So then I had to track down the daughter, pull her aside and say, hey, I'm just wondering, how are things really going with you? You're a high school senior. Soon you'll be graduating. What are you thinking of doing next year? And she goes, well, I'm either going to become a veterinarian or I'm going to become a missionary. And I said, you have the grades to get into vet school? And she goes, yeah, my grades have totally turned around since my parents started changing the way they approached me. Thank you so much. And then I said, why a missionary? Because last I knew, you were headed out of the church, didn't want anything to do with it. And she goes, yeah, because of my parents. They didn't look and sound anything like Jesus. And as a result of that, I doubted whether he really was making any difference in their lives or in the world. But as they began to change, as they began to lead more like him, it became clear that God is real to me, and I want to go help kids. And today, seven years later, she's still a missionary out in the missions field. I share this story because influence does develop character. We see it with Jesus and the disciples. We don't see them falling. We don't see them making worse and worse decisions. Yes, did they scatter in fear at the end? But Jesus, a few days later, gave them the Great Commission and put them in charge of the church. And they went out and we see what happened in Acts chapter 2 and the planting of the church in Jerusalem and all of these amazing things they did because they had developed character while being led by the Good Shepherd in an influential manner. Not a manner based upon position, power, and authority, which Jesus clearly had and could have exercised, but he led by allowing the disciples to watch him, to choose to follow him, to choose to grant him the influence in their lives. He never used the authority against them or to make them do anything against their will. He drew upon their internal desire for greatness, for success, for care and concern, for love and compassion. Those are things that we all desire to have deep within, but sometimes we've encountered damage that gets in the way. So why does influence develop character? And here's why I believe it does. It's because it leaves the decision-making in the hands of the sheep rather than the shepherd. The decision-making is placed into the disciples' hands. It's placed into our kids' hands in the context of a loving, safe, caring relationship that's characterized by discipleship or mentoring, where discussions are had and questions are asked and thought is evoked, because that's where I see the weakness with power and authority in a parenting style. Thought is rarely invoked. 
We're telling them what to do. We're directing them. We're making decisions for them. We're preventing them from doing things as opposed to helping them think through those things and figuring out what's best for them or what's best for their friends or what's best for the relationship that they're in for the long term. I've come to see that character is developed by an influential approach in three distinct ways. The first is responsibility. It leaves responsibility in the hands of our kids. Second, influence leaves room for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our kids. And third, influence develops in our kids the ability to think and evaluate different situations. One of the hardest things for me to do as a parent as I did the research and we began to change the way we approached our kids and we began to change the culture of our home from one based upon expectations, performance, boundaries, and consequences to one based upon the guiding rule of love was this whole area of leaving responsibility in my kids' hands. Having run a company and had many employees and almost making it public on the stock market, the whole thought of being in charge and having the position of power and authority was fresh in my mind as our kids were born. So naturally, this is how I began to approach my kids, and it's why we were losing our oldest child at the age of 9 and 10 years old. So as I did all the research and I listened to thousands of kids about how they were feeling in their homes and their lack of purpose and the sense that their parents didn't have any faith or trust in their ability to make good decisions and to handle real things, it became real clear that the kids had no sense of real responsibility and that this frustrated them and caused them to doubt themselves and doubt their ability to succeed in their future. This is where I've found influence made such a huge difference. Influence leaves the responsibility in the hands of the sheep. We see that with Jesus and the disciples. And when we wrestled with this and began to put the real decisions and the real responsibility in our kids' hands, it was amazing how it sobered them up because all of a sudden they realized they held their success or failure in their hands. I know this is such a scary prospect for us as parents because we want our kids to succeed. We want our kids to avoid being hurt, avoid failure, but guess what? None of the kids I talked to in the research wanted to fail. They were failing because they were pushing back against their parents' control. They had lost confidence in themselves. They had lost belief or motivation that they could succeed in their future. There were a lot of reasons they were failing, but none of them dealt with an actual desire to go make bad decisions. This is where I'm a huge advocate of giving our kids very real, very significant, very serious responsibilities much earlier in life, like when Abraham Lincoln had a musket in his hands at age seven, shot a turkey, and decided he didn't like killing things. So when Paul came to us at age nine and a half and wanted to buy a chainsaw for $15 he found at a garage sale that I didn't believe would work, but it did, it was something we said yes to. And we brought it home and he wanted to use it right away. And the second I started that baby up and he felt the power of it and we had the discussion of how it can go through a leg like butter, he was scared to death of the thing. And I got him to, with me holding it and him between my arms holding it, 
cut down one little branch, but it took two and a half years for him to develop the confidence to use that saw and to use that saw by himself because he had the responsibility, he had the power. Another way we recommend parents do this is by getting money into the hands of their kids at a young age. At age 10, my parents handed me $75 a month, but out of that, I had to buy my haircut. I had to buy gifts at Christmas. I had to pay for entertainment things that I wanted to do. And I needed to turn in a ledger every month and kind of give them a chronicle of where I spent the money. They didn't tell me where I had to save it, where I had to spend it or not. They left it totally up to me. And I quickly figured out that I didn't want to waste money on trivial things because there were more important things to do with my money. It's this type of responsibility that develops responsible kids. And boy, do we need to see a change in terms of personal responsibility in the kids that are growing up, going off to college and heading into the workforce today. My research would indicate that we're in the situation we're in with kids not wanting to work or not wanting to take on real serious responsibility because we got fearful, because we became concerned about the decisions and protecting our kids from harm and failure. And as a result, we began to take on more and more of the responsibility for them. And then as they grow up, they kind of expect that going forwards. This is the reason we're talking about influence and leading with influence like Jesus led, the good shepherd led his disciples and sheep. They took on amazing responsibility and did a fantastic job because he never took responsibility out of their hands. We'll be back in a couple of minutes to continue our discussion about why influence develops character as Revive Families Connecting Hearts continues in just a couple of moments. Many parents today fear the impact that society, social media in particular, is having on their kids. Researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott offers a better way to lead your kid and give you more influence than YouTube, Snapshot, or video games. Through research with 3,500 kids, Jeff developed a new way of parenting that's working for thousands of families. The program is called Influential Parenting. Get it today at revivefamily.com radio. Bring your kid's heart to life and peace to your home. Welcome back to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, and we're talking about influence, why it works better than authority, position, power, and control. Today, we're talking about character and how influence develops character. And in the first segment of the program, we discussed this whole area of responsibility and why influence leaves responsibility in the hands of our kids because that responsibility sobers them up and helps develop that character trait of responsibility in our kids. The second area where influence really helps develop character in our kids is it leaves room for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. When we parent from a position of power and authority or rules and consequences, is we put ourselves in the position of playing the heavy of trying to direct our kids to make the right decisions to avoid the things that we want them to avoid by having that stick out there that they fear so that they won't mess up. But what I've found to be so much more powerful than that is influence 
in the fact that responsibility stays in our kids' hands and therefore they need to be sensing in their heart the guidance and the still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit, pointing our kids to the Spirit and helping them respond to the Spirit when they make mistakes, when they're trying to make a decision. It's been amazing because we've seen over and over again how it's led our kids to make great decisions. One of the examples of this is our two daughters and now our son. Our son's 16 and both our daughters were 18 before they started to date, not because we had instilled fear of them of dating, not because we had a rule that said no dating until you're 16. It was because they had the responsibility, they had the direction, guidance, and the conversations, and we are asking them questions about what their friends were going through who started dating at 12, 13, and 14, and the hurts and the ups and downs, and they realized that they weren't ready to be married. They didn't want to be married yet. And so there was no point in putting themselves through that situation. Influence creates the relationship that allows the conversations for our kids to take that responsibility seriously and then begin to think and look and evaluate for themselves as opposed to us constantly saying, no, don't do that. No, do this, do that asking them the questions, getting them thinking, getting them processing, getting them observing the kids around them is what influence does. Jesus had the disciples out observing people in horrible situations on a regular basis. And as a result of that, they ended up making far better decisions. They were more responsible and they were responding to what their hearts were telling them right and wrong is. And that's where the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts. So influence allows room for the Holy Spirit to work in our kids' lives. And we need to be pointing our kids in that direction towards the conviction of both sin and righteousness that the Holy Spirit plays in the life, according to Jesus, of everyone, because he's the one that said the Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness. When I stopped trying to play that role in my kids' lives, they drew closer to me. We connected at a heart level. We talked about things more openly and honestly, and they began to listen to the Spirit and respond to His guidance, and His guidance was so much better than mine. The third way influence develops true character in our kids is it helps them develop the ability to think through and evaluate different situations. We've seen this over and over again with our kids, whether it was handing Heather my $3,000 camera to take to high school every day with her when she was a photographer on the school paper, or more recently, a situation with our 16-year-old son, Paul. Because we've been leaving responsibility in his hands for his video game play and for his homework and for his schoolwork, times he's made the wrong decisions, it's cost him in different ways. And he's well aware of how it's cost him given the nature of our relationship and the conversations we have. There are two really important recent examples I want to share with you of how this has worked. Just last night, we were sitting on the front deck talking about what we were going to do over the three-day weekend that's coming up. And I offered Paul, my son who's really struggled in school and has had motivation troubles at times given his dyslexia and his loss of confidence and, and the suicides of two of his friends during middle school, it really rattled his cage. 
So when I said, hey, we could hop out of school a couple hours early on Friday, take off, get to where we're going to camp, and then be there all day Saturday, Sunday, and then come back Monday because they have Monday off, um, it was shocked when Paul said, no, can't do that, not going to miss school. This is a kid who's missed way too many days over the last number of years due to the motivation, the depression that he encountered with the suicides, and that leading to illness that he's slow to recover from due to his asthma. For him to say, no, I'm not going to miss school, and for him to go on to say, when I'm sick this year, I'm going to force myself to go to school— was just amazing. It's because he's had that responsibility in his hands, and he likes the feeling of success far more than the feeling of failure. Another recent example is that Paul was contacted by one of his five friends who he knew was doing marijuana, had been grounded for almost three months because, because his parents grounded him for as long as it took for the marijuana to clear his system. And just 10 days after getting free from that grounding, he was on the phone to Paul asking Paul to basically pee in a sample cup for him so he would pass his parents' drugs test just 10 days after being grounded for being on marijuana. And Paul got off the phone, talked with us, so we asked him what he thought would be best in the long term given the situation. And it just took him a minute, and he said, you know, if I go ahead and pee in the cup, He's going to keep doing marijuana, and that's not good for him. I know what it does to the adolescent brain because of the conversations we have with him. And so he decided to say no to his friend. And when his friend asked why, he said it's because it's not what's best for you. Unfortunately, of course, not peeing in that cup ended up costing him that relationship, but it wasn't the healthiest relationship of all of his friendships. And he made the right decision character counted because he was evaluating the situation, not just for himself, but for the other kid involved and realizing that saying yes and doing this for him, one would compromise his integrity and his character, but number two, it wouldn't be what was best for his friend. And this is where influence did the same thing with the disciples. They saw over and over again different situations where the decisions people were making weren't the healthy ones and it was leading to issues and pain in their lives. Whether it's the woman at the well, the adulterous woman, the tax collector, go down the line. They were all encountering consequences in their lives, natural, not inflicted, natural consequences of their decisions that were leading to isolation and pain and hurt and feeling poorly about themselves. When we move to influence, leave the responsibility in our kids' hands, involve the Holy Spirit in their lives and in guiding them with that responsibility and then help them begin to assess and evaluate different situations, not just in terms of how they want to be viewed and seen in themselves, but the impact it will have on the people around them. It's amazing how character develops 
really quickly. He began this with our youngest guy when he was age five and six years old, where he would make a mistake and we'd ask him if he felt badly on the inside, which is the Holy Spirit, and then we'd ask him how he needed to make it right. And he made the decision to go make things right with friends, to go apologize, and admit to things that were really uncomfortable to admit to because the Holy Spirit was telling him it was the right thing to do. We weren't forcing him to do it. We weren't coming down on him and punishing him for it. We were causing him to turn and face the music. And his character is amazing, and all the teachers that he works with see it and comment on it. This is why I encourage you to consider leading with influence rather than power and authority. And there's an entire online class called Influential Parenting available on our site, revivefamily.com, that can help you move in this direction and even give you an implementation guide on how to draw your kids into changing the family culture and joining you in this journey leads to closer connected hearts because it's focused on relationship, love, and character rather than right, wrong, expectations, and performance. Influence really does free us up as parents to come alongside our kids and to have much closer, much more open, and much more connected relationships with our kids right into and through adolescence and as they even leave our homes. Does it mean they're not making decisions? No, you gave them that decision-making responsibility long ago. But because we did that, animosity didn't enter the relationship and they stayed in our sphere of influence and in a close relationship with us right through adolescence, through college, and now with our daughter out on her own and married, we find that both of them will come at times and ask us for thoughts, advice, and input given different situations they're facing at work, etc. It's amazing when we lead like the Good Shepherd with influence what can happen. I'm Jeff Schott. And this is Revive Families Connecting Hearts. We're glad you joined us for this session and this series on influence. It really does work. And we'll be back exploring another dimension of influence and how it shapes our kids next week on Revive Families Connecting Hearts. Have a great week. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.